from PRX. I'm Kurt Anderson, and this is the Studio 360 Podcast. Laura Lipman is an Edgar Award-winning and Agatha Award-winning author of detective fiction, most famously for the Tess Monahan series. Most famously until now, maybe, because her terrific brand new novel, Lady in the Lake, which doesn't star Tess, is a New York Times bestseller. Laura Lippman also happens to be a lifelong resident of Baltimore, a city where Edgar Allan Poe spent time and died. So for a story we're working on, an American Icons Hour about Poe's work, I spent a recent afternoon walking around Baltimore and talking with Laura. Of course, Poe is best known for his gothic horror tales and his dark gothic poems. But he also wrote what are considered the first detective stories ever in the 1840s. His August Dupin stories, like The Murders in the Rue Morgue and The Purloined Letter. Almost half a century before Arthur Conan Doyle created Sherlock, Poe invented Laura Lippmann's literary genre. What's interesting to me about it is he comes at it not because he's someone who's worked as a police officer or worked in law, not because he's drawing on his own experience, but because he does have this interest in the darkest side of human nature. And he follows his own taste to a logical conclusion. I took the train down to Baltimore, where I hadn't been for years. And I've got to say, in light of the disgraceful slagging it's gotten recently from a celebrity currently living an hour away, I found the place entirely charming. Laura Lippmann and I met up at the official Edgar Allan Poe house, one of the places up and down the East Coast that Poe lived. It's a tiny three-story row house preserved in austere 1830s condition, and its antiquity reminded Laura that Poe was writing fiction in a very different era, maybe a preferable one for mystery writers. Standing here in the Poe house, I found myself thinking how amazed and intrigued he would be by modern technology and how much I envy him that he didn't have to deal with it. One of the things about writing crime fiction now is it feels like it gets narrower and narrower. And what do you do with the fact that so many of us can be followed by a GPS we don't even know we have on us most of the time? I mean, I it happens that I set my last two books in the past, and I'm getting ready to write a book set in the present for the first time in four years. And it's a bit of a drag, but I think one of the most interesting things that's happening right now is you have this writer, Pamela Koloff, who has written a great deal about the fact that there are all these cases based on blood spatter technology, and maybe it's not scientifically based. And we're beginning to question the technology and to say, well, there are these things we think we know that are so definitive, but what if they're not? And to me, that's going to be sort of like the next phase of it, where we become skeptics again about all the science that we think we know. Baltimore was one of the first places where they talked about what at the time they called the CSI effect, where juries began refusing to convict because they would say, you found a sandwich at the scene? Did you test that sandwich for saliva? And you'd have these prosecutors trying to explain, well, no, because... We have a confession, 
and we have witnesses and we have this other police work and that stuff is expensive and labs are backed up and you don't really know what it's like in the real world. But, you know, this is something that all novelists are dealing with right now is trying to keep up with the science, trying, I hate it. I try to get away from it whenever possible, but I think Poe would have found it quite delightful and would have, I'd love to see what he would do with it. My conversation with Laura Lippman will continue in a minute. And for now, I want to remind you to subscribe to the Studio 360 podcast at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get podcasts. And now, back to the podcast. Laura and I also visited Poe's gravesite in Baltimore. It's in a small cemetery outside Westminster Hall, which was a church 200 years ago. You will see that they actually got the day of his birth wrong on his own memorial. So it's a very um, Baltimore memorial. In that sense? (laughs) In that it's wrong. Then we sat down to talk inside Westminster Hall, this big, gorgeous, high ceiling space. And I asked Laura how Poe's stories have changed for her over the years. It's interesting to go back and read Poe as an adult because most of us read him when we're very young. As a matter of fact, I first started reading Poe in the old classic comic books. Classics Illustrated. Yes, that's where I first read Poe. And then I went back to him and read quite a bit of it when I wanted to write a Poe-influenced book. And, you know, we take it for granted in our day and age that everybody has a certain familiarity with some basic psychological tenets. Everyone's very up on the most basic Freudian psychology, you know, psychological ideas. And to sit around and analyze other people's behavior is pretty normal for most people. We all do it. We probably do it poorly and we probably do it in a very glib, uninformed way, but we all do it. And so I've gone back and I've been reading 19th century fiction and noticing that they knew all of this without the benefit of Freud in a post-Freudian world. They're so good at looking at what people are doing and why and how they interact with one another and what their sort of public agenda is, but their veiled agenda is this. And Poe, I, I think the one I always love is The Cask of Amontillado because it doesn't even tell you why he's mad at him. Just like, many is the insult. <laughs> And he knew well what he had done. The Cask of Amontillado is Poe's story about a man who lures a friend-slash-enemy into a wine cellar and entombs him. In 2008, Laura published a story called Easy as ABC that was a contemporary version of The Cask of Amontillado with a Baltimore twist. At the time, there was this weird thing that was happening throughout the city, which is that people who were buying and renovating these very old and very small row homes were trying to have all the amenities they would have in a suburban McMansion. And one of the things they wanted was the basement rec room. And most of these houses, they're not deep enough to have a proper basement. So you have to hire someone to dig it out. And if they make a mistake, the whole house collapses. And I watched a house collapse. I mean, I literally could stand on my own front steps and watch a house half a block away 
just come down. And I began thinking about how there were contractors who were fixing up these houses that might very well be the houses they had grown up in. Baltimore never gentrifies all the way. And it seemed interesting to me to think about what it would be like to ask to renovate your own grandmother's house for some up-and-coming young professional and how that might lead to someone being bricked up in a wine cellar. So unlike Poe, you have reasons for this guy doing what he did. <laughs> yeah, see, unlike Poe, I can't deal without some kind of motivation. I've never been able just to, to leave that behind. What's interesting to me about Baltimore is that it has this noirish flavor. Uh, the television show The Wire didn't hurt that uh, as well. But it's interesting that because of Poe and Baltimore's claim of ownership of him once he died here, it gave Baltimore this noir thing 150 years ago, right? I mean, even, even though it was a prospering, happening, <laughs> not in decline city for most of the 20th century. Yeah, Baltimore is a good noir town. I would definitely say that. My definition of noir has always been, it's a story where dreamers become schemers and that you have ordinary people who cross lines that the rest of us don't cross because they want things that everybody wants. They want love, they want money, they want career advancement. Only they get to a point where they're like, well, if I'm going to have that, I guess I have to kill somebody. Laura Littman's brand new novel is a mystery set in 1960s Baltimore. It's called Lady in the Lake, and it is excellent. To hear more from Laura and Bill Hader and Roger Corman and R.L. Stein and others, look out for our American Icons Hour on the Tales of Edgar Allan Poe. That's coming to your public radio station and or Studio 360 podcast feed this fall. Thanks for listening, and you can subscribe to Studio 360 wherever you get podcasts. 